Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Welcome to the Hardwood Prospectus, a podcast dedicated to developing players in the NBA. With me as always, it's Ross Gottschalk. How are you doing, Ross? I'm doing amazing. It's um, I'm still a little basketball like drunk or hungover. <laughs> I don't know which one from the last couple days, but it's good to have the NBA back. Last week we talked about Andrew Wiggins and... Um, Andre Drummond, and that was before the season started. It was during preseason. This week we are talking about Anthony Davis after his monster game on opening night. And then last night, Kemba Walker hit a game-winning shot. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist looked pretty good. So we're going to talk about those guys too. Um, yep. We're going to follow up on Wiggins. And then we're going to give you our games of the weekend. So that's the schedule. Let's get started. Let's start with Anthony Davis. Do you want to read his stat line, Ross? It was monstrous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, in 36 minutes, he had 26 points, 17 rebounds, and 9 blocks. And really, he had, I think he had 7, I can't remember what he was at at the end of the third, but yeah, he had most of those points through 3. Yeah. I think he had 7 blocks, but everything else was pretty much filled out. And it was a blowout in the fourth quarter where he didn't play much. So, uh, I mean, just an absolutely insane... Uh, stat line. Now keep in mind, there should be an asterisk here. As someone who lives in Orlando and watches the Orlando Magic, you should always keep in mind it was against an Orlando Magic team without Victor Oladipo and without Channing Frye, who it sounds hideous, but Channing Frye is an important part of what the Magic want to do. <laughs> do you think it's important, or do you think it matters, um, or helps Anthony Davis get blocks when he knows that they're not going to be hitting outside shots and he knows that they're just, they're going to try to be getting to the basket? Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly. I think I think his his everyone else on the Pelicans know that as well. And it's not like they played great perimeter defense against the Magic in, in that game. There was a lot of, like, Matador Ole defense just because they knew that Anthony Davis was going to win almost every battle against any of the Magic players. It's not like any of them are pro- prolific finishers at the rim, and we already know they're they're not a great shooting team. So, um, and that's kind of what what the what the big deal about Channing Fry is is he he's a four that would at least bring Anthony Davis out onto the perimeter, which would make mm-hmm. everything at the rim so much easier for the Magic, and also just kind of take away those block stats from from Anthony Davis. So that was kind of a big deal just because guarding Kylo Quinn isn't necessarily a tough task. You can kind of, right. you know, jump off him and, and, and get some, some stats. But what do you, what do you think the Magic do in that, or the Pelicans do in that situation? So if the Magic do have Fry, do you think that they just um, put Anderson in at the four and let Anthony Davis play center most of the time so he could stay near the rim? Like, is that, is that the way to combat that? Or, you know, they invest in Omer Sheik, so they kind of want to use him. But I guess in that situation against stretch fours, that might be the way to play that. It'd be interesting. I think that'd be probably not their first strategy. Right. They probably play most of their minutes with with Davis and and um, and Ashik, just kind of in the same look that we saw just 
I mean, there were definitely times where he'd swing to the five, but I think you want Anthony. I mean, he's also not only an incredible shot blocker, but he's just an athletic guy in general. Mm, we you true. see that in all. I mean, he's like always the first guy to get the breakaway dunk. Uh, I mean, he's out in front of everybody, um, and, and so he can move. And you almost it, 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 you use a different skill set when he's out on the perimeter because then you're using his athleticism to handle the pick and roll or the pick and pop with Channing Fry if there was one. Hmm. Um, so I think you'd still see a lot of a lot of Anthony at the four uh, with with a little bit of five. You know, just because I, I I still don't think you trust Ryan Anderson even when. The, to, to handle the pick and pop necessarily. That's, that's a good point. He's never been a defensive player, so um, I think you pretty much have to play him in spots. I think it's less about Anthony and more about Ryan Anderson's limitations when you talk about playing Anthony at the five full-time. Yeah, that's a good point. Anthony Davis, he'll be a good defender regardless of who he, where he's at on the floor. So Exactly. I mean, he's just a freak athlete. And it's not, and like, it's not like the Sheik's a bad defender either, so you still have him in the middle of the paint. Correct. I mean, Ashik had a really great scoreline, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had a double-double midway through the second quarter, which is ridiculous. Um, I mean, there was just double-doubles to be had. There's a lot of a lot of bad shooting and and, um, and and rebound opportunities all around. I mean, Vucevic had, like, 20-plus rebounds. So, um, in general, it was kind of like one of those weird, weird games. But sometimes... Um, I guess I'm not. We're not, we're not trying to put down Anthony Davis. I'm just trying to say, like, sometimes those stats aren't going to be every game. But he, I mean, he was clearly the best player by a mile on the court on either team. Yeah, and it was against the Magic, and not to overreact, but they won this game, which says a lot. And last year, Brow was so dominant, but they would lose a lot of games while he was being so good. So if he can win games and and be as good, um, that's going to be huge. Obviously, I mean. It sounds like an obvious statement, but there's a difference between players that are... I mean, how often do we see players that are so good but just don't make the playoffs? You see, like, Kevin Love in Minnesota was just so great and never made the playoffs. It was There's certain guys, but it's it's the LeBrons, the Durants, and, and Anthony Davis is already being kind of talked about in that same class, and it's only his second year. It's guys that can win games almost by themselves. And I don't know if he's at that point, but... And yeah, it was only against the Magic, so we'll see if he could do it against like a real basketball team. But um, yeah, I mean that's going to be something, to, uh, another thing in his development to watch for, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he, he's he's just like a he's might be already the third best player mm-hmm. in the world at least. If you were drafting today, he'd be third that you'd pick. Yeah, it would be LeBron Durant. Do you consider Durant's injury in this? I mean, if you do, it doesn't matter. It's such a yeah, short-term injury, I think. And I'm, I mean, I anything like with the foot is a little concerning. Yeah. But well, in that GM survey, they—that's pretty much what it was. They said if you're going to build your team around one player, who would it be? And everybody, mostly everybody, still said LeBron. Then it was Durant. And then it was Anthony Davis. Yeah. And I don't think like it used to be like that. Top three was always. Um, LeBron, Durant, and Chris Paul, and Chris Paul, you know, through his years, has kind of fell out of that, especially, I think, as the Clippers rely more and more on Blake Griffin. I'm not saying Paul's as bad, is bad, you know what I mean, but I think we're kind of elevated Anthony Davis over Chris Paul at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I also think part of that's just the landscape of the NBA, and, and point guard is so historically deep at the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's been a better group of point guards at one point. 
than there is right now to where you don't really need that just intrinsically brings Chris Paul's value down as a franchise piece. But he's still really, really good. Why can't the Heat get a point guard? Everybody keeps saying that. I don't mean to derail the conversation completely, but I'm glad. Like, yeah. I've been wanting to ask a non-Heat fan about this for a little while. Like, it, everybody keeps saying that point guard is so deep, and I don't get to see it on a nightly night basis. I see Mario Chalmers most of the time. <laughs> Norris Cole had a good game. Yeah, he just came off Norris Cole's. It's one of his one of his best games of his career. Um, yeah, maybe I shouldn't complain. Maybe I shouldn't jinx this. Maybe Norris Cole's going to be a great point no. guard. He's not gonna be great, but uh, he's a, he's a good player. Like I like Norris Cole. He's not gonna be a great point guard. He's not even a, really a point guard. He's like a, a combo guy. shooting guard. Um, I mean, you know why they don't? I mean, it, if if they knew LeBron wasn't gonna be here, I mean, they probably would have got a point guard. But you've had a unique situation in Miami for the past half decade here, so um, to where point guard was not completely, it, it, yeah. But even before LeBron, we were running with like Jason Williams, and like, and Jason, like, I love Jason Williams, and he helped us win a title in '06. But it's like one, like, it's been a while, you know. We had Dwayne Wade was a point guard his rookie year. That was about it. But we're completely getting off track right now, <laughs> and that's my fault. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame you, Ross. This is my fault. You should kick me off I mean, the podcast. That's okay. But then it would be any fun, would it? No, no, it wouldn't. Just be yourself talking to yourself. You had you had Dwayne Wade. You have Dwayne Wade too. Is like a top four shooting guard of all time. He's awesome. Five, and I don't even like. He's a guy that has always frustrated me. Dwayne Wade. I just I'm not a huge fan of him. I don't get me wrong. Like I know he's oh, good. It doesn't mean like I love watching Dwayne Wade. Is it the whole I, I like after he doesn't get a call, doesn't run back on defense thing? He's got just a yeah. I don't know. He's just developed this. Weird persona and attitude. I'm not sure. Somewhere yeah. after the fall down seven, get up eight thing, or you know, like that. <laughs> it's mostly off court stuff. I don't know. His game's okay. Well, you don't like hey, the sock just, line, or just not a fan. To be honest, I don't know. I kind of like those I socks. I, I I don't even mind his style that much. Where he wears those like capri pants. This <laughs> 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 <Just> one time. <laughs> I know, but I, I know a lot of people like. Jalen Rose always talks about like he he doesn't want to see your Achilles, but you know that's a cool look. But I'm from Florida, where that look might be more relevant than other places. I was wearing um, like no show socks the other day, sure at work, and everybody like kind of gave me crap about it. They're like, "Oh, okay, Mr. Florida guy walking on through." Yeah, For listeners that don't know, I live in California now, and I like the last couple years I moved out of here, and I was like, I didn't even realize like this was a Florida thing. I just was. Put shoes on today, like. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's a Florida thing. I had no idea. But then, but then, think about this. Everywhere else outside of Florida, they think it's totally okay to wear slip-on sandals with socks. Which is not. Not That's okay. not cool. Like no. you, you look like a shooby from Rocket Power. Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, that's not so. Like, I don't like not wearing socks or wearing no-show socks is cool. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, they just don't get it. But, but you know who does get it? I'm gonna. I think you're gonna say either Kemba Walker or Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Gonna go with Kemba Walker. Okay, yeah, Kemba Walker. <laughs> Segway, all right. He got it last night. Did you see the video? Um, it was an Instagram video that the Hornets posted. Uh, it was basically like their bench reaction to Kemba Walker's three point shot tying it. You didn't see it because you've been you've been working and doing important things in the world. Also, I don't um, follow the Hornets on Instagram, and I'm literally following either, them right it's now. Just, 
just gets through the media. Um, social media's fault. Well, Stupid anyways, social um, media. And Michael Jordan just loses his mind and starts fist pumping and screaming. Michael like Jordan did more emotion that he ever showed. Yeah, that's gotta be amazing. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird to look at and see him getting so hyped about the first game of the season. I'm watching it right now. It's like right behind yeah. Michael. He's going crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's, he's put on a lot of like, weight. Yeah, he's gotten big. Oh, Michael. But I mean, everyone puts on weight when you're that age. Yeah, but he's like fat I put now. On, I put on weight and I'm 30 years younger than him. Yeah, but like, dude. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's like he hasn't been in but a anyways, gym in like three years. But man, Kemba Walker uh, saved the day. Yeah. Uh, and he just got that extension. So, good job, Charlotte. Good job, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan got in a bad rap. Charlotte's good now. I mean, they, they're in the Eastern Conference, but they're good for Eastern Conference team. I've been kind of carrying the flag for Charlotte this season. I, I think I'm higher than the most. Then again, like I also kind of like the Knicks this, this season. The Knicks? And that was horrendous, yeah. Did you I really? Mean, not like, I mean, like to get the eighth seed in the East. Anyways, back to the Hornets. Um, don't want to sabotage us with how awful the Knicks are. Um, Ke- Kemba really kind of struggled with his shot all, all game, and then he just he finds a way to hit two like two huge shots, um, and they pull a win out of nowhere, down twenty four. That's kind of that's kind of the intangibles that you need from Kemba. He's never going to be like this measurables guy. He's never going to be a tall point guard. He's mm-hmm. he's probably he's a okay defender and an okay shooter, but man, late in games he is. He's incredible. Yeah, and uh, a lot of, like, I kind of saw some backlash when the Hornets signed him to an extension. They're like, well, why would you sign him to a four-year deal? You have that loaded, you know, you have some loaded free agency classes the next couple of years that have point guards in them. Um, like, why not take a shot at it? I don't, I don't think a lot of people were saying it, but I thought, I, I saw that every so often on, on Twitter and stuff. And I was just like, if you're the Hornets, this is, you're not signing a better point guard in free agency than Kemba Walker. Like maybe you can draft one, but you can't rely on that either. It's Kemba Walker is a above average point guard. You are building your team around Al Jefferson. You know he's going to be you know the horse on that team, and you were able to sign Lance Stevenson. And that's the only reason you got him for nine million a year was because of all the baggage, you know. And yeah. You know, you, dra- he- you draft Vonley and Michael Kidd Gilchrist and hope one of- and hope they could be reliable people. We'll get to MKG a little bit later, but I liked I really liked the uh, the Kemba signing, especially like right before they're about to, you know, apparently go to the back to back playoffs, you know, or playoffs in back to back years. This is kind of the time to lock up those young guys and just start developing them. Yeah, um, you hit the nail on the head. Where they're they're not going to find a better point guard through free agency, right? And maybe you draft one. He's a, I mean, he's probably average. So okay. even maybe slightly below average. Okay. But but there's not, but right. I mean, like. I mean, again, I'm coming from the land of Mario Chalmers was point guard for right, four years, right. so I, mean, I think he's better. above average because I consider Mario Chalmers average. But I guess he's below average too. He might be the worst, Wes. <sighs> no, there's got to be somebody worse. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone worse, but there's not more than two people. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, he's like average, um, but you just kind of have to hope that he develops into something else. And you, get, uh, if you're the if you're the Hornets or any team that's not a major big market player for free agents, 
you kind of have to take chances, like the Lance Stevenson kind of thing, where right. you get like his talent is way more than what they're paying. Him he's only twenty three. Yeah, it's 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 like such an anomaly that they have a chance at this kind of talent. And sure, you have to take like you take a risk that he's a character guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of same with PJ Hairston. I mean. Yeah. The dude's talented. He has huge character flaws and issues, and like you know, it's a danger to take him. But if you want to get out of that that cycle of mediocrity, you kind of have to take those risks. And then they either I'm a big PJ fan. I like his game. I, I'm sure I don't. I wouldn't love him as a person. But there's some guys that can take that and like channel it and make and it makes them better because it just makes them like just nasty on the court, you know. And then there's some guys that just turn out like Michael Beasley. Exactly. He could be he could easily be Michael Beasley. Yeah. But he could also be I don't know. I can't think of a comparison, but he could also be a guy who maybe not an all star, but a, a you know, a starter on a mm-hmm. on an Eastern like on an Eastern conference contending team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you gotta take those risks of that. And the, and so Kemba is in a way is a risk. He's kind of a a low ceiling guy, but you never know. I mean, he's definitely clutch. So you got to take that. Like he's above average in that one category, and it, it paid dividends last last night. So, I mean, here's here's a stat line. He played 39 minutes. Keep in mind, it was an extra five minutes for overtime. Um, 26 points, but on 26 shots. Hmm. Uh, six rebounds, five assists, five assists. You know, like he's not he's not an incredible pick and roll guy. He's not. Here's here's his biggest problem. He's not a he's not a guy who can score at the rim very well at all. Yeah. And he's a mid range shooter guy, but like a a volume a volume shoot mid range shooter, like a J.R. Smith type. He's very J.R. Smithian. Um, but I those players are just kind of out of vogue, you know. Yeah, and yeah, that's exactly where I was kind of going with that is. There used to be a point where that was, because um, those guys also like a lot of people think like oh volume shooter like you just you just take a bunch of shots but you got to get those shots off you know and it's not as easy in the NBA sometimes as it looks like you have to be able to create some space for yourself and those guys are usually more quick you know guys like J.R. Smith's pretty quick uh, Kemba Walker's quick and they can just kind of create some space for themselves like really really quickly and um, he could do that and so there's but you're right. That's kind of like with this whole efficiency movement and you know sports vu blah 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 analytics whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, we're kind of getting more into the efficiency stuff. Stop taking all those mid range shooters. But yeah, I like the I like the signing for the, the Hornets. I mean, you're paying them what twelve million a year, yeah. right? I mean, it's like with that cap and with the caps going up. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna that's gonna be comfortable under the cap. Um, but yeah, like they. Extend Kemba, you get um, Lance on a, what could be a bargain and a steal. And they kind of did the same thing with Al Jefferson. Like, Al Jefferson wasn't the player he's considered now when he signed in Charlotte. Like, that's important to remember. Because when I say things like, they're not going to get big name for agents, and people will be like, well, look, they got Al Jefferson. He's awesome. Well, he was kind of like Lance Stevenson, where he just turned out to be awesome. Like, he was good, he was above average, and he showed a lot of promise. And then he just turned out to be awesome in the Steve Clifford system. 
And he's still not a good defender. That's the other thing. It's like he's, he's a really bad. He knows it too. Like yeah, and Clifford does a really really good job of covering it up. Yeah, correct. He's just got a bunch of athletic guys um, on the wing mm-hmm. that can that can play defense. Yeah, Lance can play defense. Um, MKG MKG can play, can play defense. So let's talk Our, about MKG a little bit. Yeah, let's do. Oh, can I can I do a quick comparison? Because we we're talking about twelve million dollars for Kemba. Yes. Uh, right around, kind of speaking of, you know, contract negotiations. Would you rather have Kemba, or would you rather have Ricky Rubio? Oh man, I'm gonna go Rubio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm one of those Rubio haters, though. I hate to admit it. I mean, I like Rubio. I like his game. I like defensively. And the whole assist thing is good. I'm worried he might get into that Rajon Rondo zone of just racking up assists because he can kind yeah. of thing. Um, but defensively, he's really good. I just, his shot's really bad. And when it comes down to it, I think, like, when we talk about, like, analytics and stuff, like, oh, and, like, the bloggers like to think of, like, the other things other than, like, how good they are at shooting. Like, oh, he's such a good pick-and-roll defender. He executes the pick-and-roll really well. Like, all these other things, but it's like, dude, the guy can't shoot. Like, that's kind of the most important thing for a basketball player when it comes down to it. Like, um, for most basketball players. But, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take Rubio. What's Kyle Lowry making? Like, $14 million a year? Yeah. That's a bargain. Compared to those guys. Right? Oh, to be honest, he might be making 12 too. It's Is he right making, around. He might be making 12 Him and Kemba are just about the same. So... so. <laughs> The Raptors did a good job. Yeah, they signed him early-ish, I guess. It, yeah. it was also a, di- a little bit of a different situation, just in terms of where they're both at in their careers, but yeah. also... Um, He's believed that his peak and the other guys are still developing. Yeah. And, Kemba, and Kemba's deal came after the TV deal coming in the future, so they know a set number, which is huge. That's true, too. For the salary cap, so you can... So, without a doubt... Kyle Lowry's deal is probably a really good deal. And now you can make an argument that Kemba's isn't going to be bad. Yeah, I don't think, um, you know, when you're looking at those deals, you try to think, like, okay, year three, year four, is this going to be, like, are you going to be stuck with this, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't think they're going to be. Year three and year four, it's going to be a good, like, that's going to, $12 million a year, that's probably what you're going to be paying when this cap goes up for an average point guard. And so, yeah. like as crazy as that sounds, but that's gonna be that's gonna be how it is, and um, especially a young one. So, yeah, I think that's just a, that's that's about right. Um, his game, you you're saying he's got like a low ceiling, and I I agree with you. You know, he's just there's parts of his game that's just not gonna get better, like and just him being you know physically limited the way he is. But uh, do you yeah, see him getting like? turning into anything else or can he, is he just going to be a mid-range shooter or is that that shit might have sailed by now is he even trying that's the other thing because <laughs> like, I, I have a feeling he's not even trying you know what I mean like yeah. it's like this is what I am this is what I'm going to do like get used to it I think he can become a better defender okay especially in in, in Clifford's system he to be honest he has Oh man, coming out of college, he he had good defensive 
spurts on yeah. the ball. When he's on the ball, he's okay, but he gets he kind of he kind of falls asleep off the ball, and he gets out of position. Um, doesn't handle pick and rolls very well. But like on the ball, one on one, he's okay. He's just undersized. And then if he can kind of just keep his focus off ball, a lot of times he gets he'll kind of get behind on an off ball screen or something like that, and he gets beat. Um, I think that's really the one way you can kind of see him become a um, more valuable basketball player, I guess, mm-hmm. where he brings more is where he become he's kind of a neutral to a negative on defense. If he can somehow be a positive, uh, I think that's still possible. I also, I think that's possible. A lot of defense is just effort. It's possible for a lot of players. Um, and I guess a three-point shot. He's never going to be a good finisher around the rim for whatever reason. That's just not his game. You know, I don't. I don't see that right. as getting. As you get older, you get better finishing uh, through contact and at the rim. So, I mean, maybe getting a three point shot, but I, I, I don't think he'll ever be anything but average from three either. You know, low thirties. Yeah. Like that just kind of feels like what he does. He takes a lot of. He takes a lot of contested jumpers. Have we know? taken a look at his contested jumper stat yet? Have you taken a look at that yet? No. I'm gonna look that up. While Where we are you going? Up. What? Where are you going on? NBA.com stats. They have contested jumper stats. Yeah, dude. LeBron was like sixty. I'm gonna. It's something close to like sixty-one percent on contested jumpers, and like fifty-eight percent on oh. open jumpers. Like he was better with a hand in his face. Weird. Well, he's a freak. They changed oh. their website. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They've changed it around. You're just talking about like the interface when you first log on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my thing with Kemba is I think he can become a better facilitator the more talent the Bob. Uh, the, oh my God, the Hornets get. I almost call them Bobcats. The Hornets get. I think there's an opportunity for him to really focus in on that. And I, I, I agree with you. I think he can become a three-point shooter if he really just focuses on just ex- taking those few steps back and just maybe taking fewer shots and hitting those threes and facilitating the ball more. Just really just focusing on the efficiency part of it because um, if Al Jefferson's going to be the horse on that team and Lance Stevenson blows up, then they're not going to need as much from Kemba point-wise as they had in the past. Yeah. Um, and then as far as... It, ah, I'm going to give up because I've never done this before i've been this on is all the, stats and, interface and yeah i can't nice. do this on the podcast it'd be irresponsible of me um but yeah i mean as far as a defender if you just utilize this quickness i mean clifford already does a decent job of it already but just continuing to let him fight over screens and just stay on the hip of the guy and um just kind of be a pest like the way that uh mark jackson kind of used steph curry in the way that uh um What's his face in Portland? Terry Stotts uses Damian Lillard. Like, they all kind of use it just like, hey, just stay on his hip. Um, You know, take away one side. You don't have to stay in front of him. That's really hard, especially when you got, when you're getting, you know, you're undersized. Steph Curry's not undersized, but a guy like Lillard, Steph Curry's just a bad defender, but Lillard's like kind of undersized too. And it's it's hard when you're fighting through picks. I mean, um, Norris Cole does a good job of this, going back to the Heat, where. Um, in the opening game, Marcin Gortat was coming up and setting Polish hammer picks over and over for uh, um, for John Wall, and Norris Cole was doing a really, really good job just fighting over the screen and staying on one side of the hip, and that's just what a point guard has to do now sometimes. Yeah. 
and there and there's value to that if you're not going to be just like a shutdown defender as a point guard. And there's very few of those. Yeah, I mean, I guess his the only precedent for like an undersized point guard who's like not necessarily great offensively but is good defensively is Mike Conley. Yes. And he's like six two, six three. Like he's not like little like Kemba, right? Isn't Conley like kind of uh, like six you're ch- six you're two? Cha- you're challenging me right now. No. Um, okay, so Kemba's six one, one eighty four, according to NBA dot com. I was wrong. Six one. Yeah, six one. So they're the same. They're both, you know, like there's a precedent where he could be. A, I don't think he'll ever be a Mike Conley defensively. I think a lot of what Mike Conley does is kind of innate mm-hmm. sneakiness. Ty Lawson did an AMA uh, right before the beginning of the season, and someone asked like who the best defensive point guard was, and he said Mike Conley because he's good at fouling without getting noticed. Huh. And I think that just means like sneaky physical. Chris Paul's like that too. Yeah, and that's not. I don't think Ty was trying to slight him at all. No. But just saying, like he's good at 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 being physical and creating contact and and kind of just you know like being that pest, like you said. Yeah, there's like there's a respect for that, or there used to be. Uh, yeah. You talk about like old NBA players, like if you could foul without, like almost like a receiver, like trying to make room without getting called for pass interference. Like that's kind of like what Jerry Rice was so good at. Um, it's kind of like the similar thing. There's almost like a respect yeah. for it. Yeah. Or like Bruce Bowen. Or like Bruce Bowen. He also got called for it too, though, a lot. So. And also people didn't respect him, so maybe that was a bad <laughs> bad comparison. We used to uh, play a game on the courts when I was a kid called Bruce Bowen. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it was... <laughs> did he wear bow ties? <laughs> did he wear bow ties while he played, like during games? I'm pretty sure he did. Um, <laughs> um, you got the headband. I got the bow tie. Yeah. Um, no, it was it was a pretty simple game. You could probably guess it. It was uh, I would take a shot, and then um, another guy would like punch me in the stomach while I was taking it, and I would try to make it. <laughs> and then it would. I, it, I, I had a gut feeling that was it. Yeah, <laughs> well, like a kick in the shin or something. It was just like something. You never knew exactly what was happening. Um, that was always a fun game. <laughs> yeah. My, my old high school coach used to kind of tell us that, like, poke somebody in the stomach when they shoot. <laughs> well, it messes up your core. Yeah. It <laughs> screws up the entire form of the shot. Yeah. Well, and you flinch, especially if they're ticklish. Yeah. Oh. It's the worst. It's a good thing I'm not ticklish. You Speaking not of ticklish? Uh, forms of shots. Oh, I was going with Michael Kidd. Gr- Kid Gilchrist isn't ticklish, but you're right. Oh uh, yeah, I think I, I think I got that one. <laughs> Better form, yep, yeah, 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 you're right. Better form on the on the segue too. Yep, right there. Wow. All right, what, MKG what, what, Ross. Go ahead. Let's do no. Just just finish your finish your segue. That was it. No, speaking of uh, form, so MKG said, or was it he who said he fixed a shot or coaches? It was just kind of like everybody on the team, and him was like, yeah, I fixed my shot. Yeah, it was, um, no, no, he had a coach, uh, his name escapes me right now. Yeah, it was, um, like, his, his, uh, yeah, he had a shooting coach, I've, and then everybody I, said he fixed his, his shot, and, yes. and then, uh, so his elbow wasn't in, like, Bolivia anymore while he was shooting, um, Mark Price, Mark Price, there we go, uh, 
I've read that name like four times today, reading MKG articles, and I couldn't remember it. <laughs> Man, old age. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, his shot looks so much better. Still a little funky. It, no, you're right. Don't don't mistake what I said with his shot looks good. <laughs> it just looks his so much looks better. His shot looks so much better. <laughs> so much better. It's it's still by comparison ugly. Right. But it's not it's not like instant death upon watching. Who is an uglier jump shot? Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Whoever you say, it's Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you were impressed with this game, though. I mean, yeah, he played really... He was the best player on the floor consistently for them last mm-hmm. night. Lance had some nice stats, and Kemba came with the heroics, but consistently... Uh, but One, he, he... I mean, he's the he's their best defender night in, night out. So you watched a little bit. More, you watched a lot more of that game than I did. I saw the highlights, and I was able to like kind of flick back and and to it, and I kind of saw and I saw the overtime. But sure. I was like pretty much entrenched in that Heat game because I had like you know stuff going on on my blog. But sure. Um, when I was watching like the highlights and the overtime and stuff, yeah, he looked good. But it's like I have a feeling you're talking about just like for the entire span of the game, he was just kind of exactly. in the right spots. He was doing the right things. He was just the most consistent player. Especially on a team like with Jefferson and Walker, and sometimes they're just not doing the right thing every once in a while. Like, and he was just doing the right thing every once in a while. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, I mean, he was just he was the fastest guy on the court for them. Okay. Kind of just he, he didn't even have tremendous amount of steals or anything like that. But he was always the guy who was getting to the hoop, attacking the basket, finishing strong. And they needed that at a certain point when they were down. Just really the most consistent guy on the team. But, you know, he's never going to be a guy who's an offensive powerhouse. You know? Right. He just needs to hit a shot, get some confidence, attack the rim. Okay, so here's here's kind of like the good things with him. He shot 75%. Okay. That's good. I think it was 6 for 8 off the top, top of my head. Um, that's a good stat. He's not going to shoot that all the time. But he shot 83% from the free throw line, too. So that's really what gives him the confidence to go to the hoop. I think he was scared to attack the rim last year because he was just an awful shooter in general where he didn't want to take free throws either. So if he even just gets confidence at the line, I think you're going to see a huge change in his game this year. I kind of said to you before we did this, when we were on the phone earlier, that uh, he's the glue guy that McRoberts was. And when you lose McRoberts, you're hoping that... um, Noah Vonley, the guy you draft number one, can be good. Um, but you, he was like that glue guy. He got the ball in the right spots. He was always helping out and facilitating his other teammates. And if Kemba could do that, be quick, be fast, get to the rim, do do all those things, and and just kind of keep everything together out there, that's a really important position for the, for Charlotte. I mean, yeah, he's a guy they need. They need him to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't... He needs to. He just needs to be a better shooting Tony Allen. Um, okay. Right now, he is kind of like a Tony Allen, where if he can even just get a little bit of a jump shot, uh, it's gonna be. A, it's gonna make a night and day difference. Is he just? Last year, he really struggled because when his shot just wasn't falling, he was just not respected. 
um, it, and just ruined his whole game. He couldn't get to the rim. It was just it was bad. And then he basically, like you said, basically just like he wasn't as confident. He just shut down offensively, like late last year. Um, yeah, I think that's but, the thing is he's always going to be the guy who gets sagged off on. Mm-hmm, like, yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be a floor spacer unless something crazy happens. Right. Um, uh, but, but if he can make people pay occasionally and just have have them guard him normally or like an average average wing, because right now people will just let him shoot. Yeah, and that's the thing is um, he doesn't have to be good from you know mid to long range every game, but if he could be good from mid to long range, it just get hot like every other game. You know, not and not like just score a bunch, but just not be you know absolute horse crap. You know, like have them be be able to put them on the floor. Right, like <laughs> then then teams will respect them. You know, because you don't know when he's going to be good. You don't know when he's going to be off. Like if he's having an off night, eventually they'll start sagging even more. But um, yeah, like last year it was just ridiculous. They were just leaving them. They were just like, dude, whatever, you, just shoot it, please. Like that's the best outcome for this defensive possession for us. Um, but when he was at Kentucky, he was the all all around like one of the best. You know, he's with Anthony Davis, so like sans Anthony Davis, but like those perimeter guys and all that. Like he was the best out of all of them. He was just doing everything. He was the glue guy. He was getting everybody. He was getting people involved. He was always had the ball in his hands. He was just he was Mister Reliable in crunch time, playing awesome defense. Like that's why he was drafted so high. Yeah, he was attacking the basket. Like yes, he was very good at just, that. If he just keeps going to the basket, he's gonna be he's gonna play well. Yeah, and he did that. He did it well yesterday. He got eight rebounds. Have had a couple putback dunks, even like on just totally lost possessions for them, where he just got them two points when they shouldn't have on a on an offensive possession. It, it was um, I don't know. Like he was a guy you didn't recognize almost, mm-hmm. and you can kind of just tell just in in terms of his energy and his willingness to make stuff happen on offense. They had a bunch of energy guys. Yeah. MKG, Kemba, yeah. and Lance, like, yeah. That's gonna, that's Williams. a fun team to watch. What? Marvin Williams, speaking of number two overall picks who kind of, like, busted, Marvin Williams played a bunch of minutes and hit threes. He was and, good last year. And he deed up, he deed up Jabari real nice. Was, I really, I really wanted the Heat to get Marvin Williams. He's found it, he's evolved. He's found a niche for himself. Yeah. He's it's found not, a role. Not, it's not his fault that the Hawks picked him number two overall. That's true. He was too young. Yeah. Okay. I, I remembered something I wanted to add about Kemba Walker when we were talking about where he could develop. He could develop a floater since he's not very good inside. If he could practice yes. as a floater, that's what these short guys got to do. Yep. Okay. So we talked about Andrew Wiggins on the last podcast. Let's do a little follow-up here. Six points. <laughs> Yeah, on, the mean, la- on, on the last podcast, we said you're not going to be able to run the offense through him, but they're going to have to, so we're going to let him grow and we're going to see what he's got. But we also said he's going to have great nights and he's going to have very bad nights. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to learn to come back from those bad nights. <laughs> well, he's got a lesson really quick to learn because he had a bad night. Yeah, six points on, on... He only took five shots. Like, he wasn't a part of the offense. Played 18 minutes. Just kind of looked out of his depth. Yeah, it's gonna man. It's gonna be tough. I don't think it was like a systematic thing that they kept him out of the offense. It was just 
you know, it was like one of those things that, like, at Kansas, he just, like, disappeared on offense for a little while. And, I mean, that was more of a systematic thing. But um, he just has a tendency to kind of disappear a little bit. I don't know. It's He's not a great offensive player, so it's not like he should be demanding the ball or doing a lot of things with the ball. But five shots for the first overall pick, that's still kind of weird. Yeah, it, it wasn't anything exciting now. Same way Anthony Davis was going up against the Magic. He was going up against the Grizzlies. Probably a tough opponent to draw as your first um, NBA defense that you see because they're very strong. Right. But just not great. He's. It's going to be a lot of work. <clears throat> you know, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be. It's going to take some time. He's very. He's an unfinished product. You got to hope for a lot of things to happen with him. That's the scary part. Yeah. Um, then again, we all think Jabari's going to be like surefire, you know, real deal, especially like right off the bat, and he struggled in his first game. So, for fan sided, I picked Wiggins as my rookie of the year. Um, I just thought that there was just going to be more opportunity for him. I thought that Jabari, I think he's going to be really good, but I think there's just a lot going on with Jason. And you know how I feel about Jason Kidd. I love Jason Kidd, but. Um, there's going to be a lot of experimenting and things, and I think that there's a chance that Jabari just gets like lost in the smoke of like the mad scientist that kid likes to be with his lineup sometimes, um, and that there's just like so much weird stuff happening, and they're trying to develop so many players over there in Milwaukee that he just get lost a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I thought that Wiggins was just going to have such an opportunity, and I kind of just went, um, I guess, like all in on Wiggins, even though I'm not really all in on Wiggins, but in terms of my Rookie of the Year picks, I kind of went like, okay, it's either like boom or bust with this. Like, You're going to give him the opportunity. He's either going to look awesome and win Rookie of the Year, or he's just going to be like, meh. Yeah. And right now, and he was meh. It's one game, and you're right, it was against the Grizzlies. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not overreacting, but I think it is concerning when... I mean, it's, like, you're trying to win games, right? And you only take five shots. Like, I just, I would like to see more. Even if he still hit only two shots out of ten shots. Like, yeah, there's a certain point where you'd like to see more. He's also stuck in a really bad offense, which is concerning. Yes. So, I mean, they did put up one. I mean, they the stats look okay. It was 101, 105. But it, from, I watched probably a good two, I watched probably half of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, just looked, it looked hard to watch, you know, um, not a whole lot of offensive weapons for the, for the Timberwolves, that is, um, and it's, it's not like anyone, I mean, Ruby is a great passer, but spacing wise and kind of offensive threat wise, this, this roster isn't going to make it easier for Wiggins offensively. So let's look ahead to our games of the weekend. What we're looking forward to, yeah. Yeah, let's look at Saturday first. Um, What's your game that you're looking at? Can I go with Friday first? Fine, go with Friday first. (laughs) I think that makes more sense, chronologically speaking. That's true. Uh, I guess these are obvious, but uh, I mean, I think we're all excited to see Cavs, Bulls, probably the Eastern Conference Finals. Should be awesome. Um, Let's see you get there. For me, Spurs, Suns. Um, Suns are probably my favorite team to watch, so I'll probably say the Suns a lot and talk about them. Um, 
but that'll be a great great matchup and test for them because their hardest matchup is against teams that can that can slow the ball down and score okay. and, and score efficiently because when they're getting the taking the ball out of the hoop they're not as good or not as fast you know um, and the Spurs obviously score at a high percentage so that should be a good test for them uh, and then then we can go to Saturday what do you have what are you looking forward to on Saturday I really like Nets Pistons and um, the Mavs Pelicans is gonna be good. Anthony Davis is gonna have a shot on uh, Dirk. That's gonna be good. Um, yeah, kind of a couple teams that could be right there, like near each other towards the end for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only the second game of the year, but still, like that kind of matters, I guess. Um, but Nets Pistons, I'm just excited to see Stan Van Gundy. I'm gonna have a chance to watch my boy Stan Van um, coach against a uh, Nets team. That's not very good. So I don't know why I'm exactly excited for that. I just have a gut feeling that it's going to be a good game, and I don't really know why. I just really want to see Andre Drummond and Van Gundy go at it. And uh, Jazz Suns, another Suns matchup. Not as fun as the first, the Friday matchup, but um, I'm, I really want to see Quinn Snyder's offense, and I think that's going to be a fun way to see it because you're just going to have a lot of uh, trying to pace and space in that game. So that should be fun to watch. What about you? Um, for me, I just put Mass Pelicans, same as you. Mm-hmm. Just um, the Pelicans, if they want to be the team on the rise and they want a playoff spot, you know, they might have to knock the Mavs out. And you know, this will be an interesting little rivalry, I guess, in division. The Mavs looked good against the Spurs. Yeah, they, did. they looked very good. That was a good game, and I know like they historically are good against the Spurs. Yeah. Uh, when I say historically, like mostly last year. Um, they're just built to play the Spurs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that <laughs> Monte Ellis is good. Uh, Tyson Chandler is just right back at home. Dirk's Dirk had a really good game. Uh, I don't know how many times we can count on that, but Dirk's you know pretty consistent. But he just had a really good game. Um, Tyson just looks like a new guy. Yeah, he just like it, it's unbelievable where he was just surrounded by so much garbage. It's the Knicks, dude. They, they, they do that to you, too. And, it, right? They would make me a terrible defender. And I'm really good. <laughs> um, and he just looks like... I don't know. It just seems like he was in some like weird, like hazy dream for like a few years. And now he's back in Dallas. And everybody's just like... The entire NBA is just like, oh, okay, this makes more sense now. Yeah. Like, what, what, was he in the Knicks? Like, that was a weird thing. Yeah. Um, Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. Okay, Sunday for me, it's the first game. It's it's Kings-Clippers only because I want to see something happen between DeMarcus Cousin and Chris Paul. Ooh. I didn't even think of that. Because as um, if any of you noted NBA fans might know, uh, DeMarcus Cousins is not bros with Chris Paul, without a doubt. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. He's not, he's, they are not boys. So, um, man, I, first off, any game with DeMarcus Cousins in general is super interesting for me because you have that, you have that, like, old 1990s, early 2000s possibility of, like, a dude getting thrown out at any point. And with Chris Paul in the mix, like, it, it just makes it even that more likely with DeMarcus Cousins to where he's either going to go off and he's going to score a bunch or he's going to get tech, he's going to get teed up a couple times and, and tossed. Either way, I hope it's entertaining. If not close. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to go the easy route here. Warriors Trailblazers. Yeah. That's just going to be a good game. And uh, I love watching Trailblazers. I was able to watch them last night after the Heat. Um, I was really excited that they were the West Coast game. And then um, in the Warriors, I mean, that's just... I mean, those are that's a great matchup last year. It's going to be a great matchup this year. A little bit more uh, ball movement from Steve Kerr this year. So it's going to be just right there. Uh, Damian Lillard, I think we talked about him a lot, but nobody really talks about him when you're talking about guys that could take a leap this year. I don't know if he's going to take a leap, but it's something to watch for. You know what I mean? Like, he took a leap last year. Yes, he did. And I don't know, like... It's very possible he hit his peak last year. As weird as that sounds, I just don't know how much more he has, like physically. Um, he might just be like always dynamic and crazy and awesome and fun to watch. Yeah, he's been a turnstile on defense. Right, that's the problem. That's his problem. And um, not as good going to the rim as some people think. Yeah. Uh, but if you know. That might be his thing, and that's fine. Like he's really, really good at what he's good at, you know. And he's ice cold, yes. awesome shooter, really good at the work in the pick and roll with um, Lamarcus Aldridge and stuff like that. So I was really, um, when I was watching Portland, that Steve Blake Chris Kamen thing was really cool, and I thought that was really, really smart by them to basically just get a guy that knows how to do stuff as their backup point guard, which was. A That's huge, a like, it was a huge improvement from where they were, like, the last couple of years to back a point guard. You know, that the depth two years ago was one of the all-time worst benches, um, statistically. Last year, it was better just because it wasn't horrible. It was just below average. And now I think they have, like, an average um, second yeah. unit there. And that's, when you go from historically bad to average... That's, that's a leap. That's a huge leap. That means significantly more wins. Um, and we saw that last year by just being below average. So uh, I really like the Trailblazers this year in the West. I, and uh, I'm still on that I'm still on that Portland train. Partly because I visited there over the summer and I really liked it. That's a cool city. I went to a blues festival. And, and then I went to the Rose Garden. And I was like, nope, picking the Trailblazers. Going all the way this year. Uh, <laughs> not quite, but... Uh, <laughs> All right. Should we end the podcast on that promo for Portland Tourism? I think so. I think it's a good. I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, Hardwood Prospectus. Thanks for listening. Catch us again next week. We're on iTunes now, so go check us out there. iTunes. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.